0: This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML.
1: Hey, it's Hamilton Today. I'm Curtis Thompson, Scott's son. Diana is in the newsroom. Will is on the board. Curl up around the radio with your warm mask and enjoy another COVID Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Here, what?
0: Throw a pillow at that kid!
1: Get him out of here!
0: Enough of that! Oh, my goodness. Uh, Good uh, good afternoon. It is 3.09. I'm Scott Thompson. It is 900 CHML Hamilton, 980 CFPL in London. It is Hamilton Today. Thanks for jumping uh, on board. Love to hear from you. Lots of ways to do that. Send us a note via the website, thompson at 900CHML.com. And the phone lines are always open at 905-645-3221. Star 9900 on your cell. Uh, Will Erskine is on the board. Uh, Diana Weeks is in the newsroom. And uh, watching the world spin around We will all be around the big round table Coming up at about uh, three 4.40 this afternoon Just after uh, the 4.30 news To talk about the issues of the day Man, what do you do now? Here we go again I didn't want to come on and sound like uh, a sourpuss So we're just going to have tap dancing and play music all day long uh, it's another one of those days, man. Who would have thunk? I remember playing uh, Fontella Bass "Rescue Me." I think a lot, like the first month of this a uh, global pandemic, when I just started playing stuff off of my playlist uh, because we were at home. And here we are. Honestly, we were all just talking before uh, the holidays, like I guess beginning of December. Hey, we're going back. We're going to go back in the new year. It's going to be great. Woo 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 woo. And now everything's kind of put on hold again. And when we started talking about the, uh, the Omnicron variant, which, uh, I guess we have done through three weeks. It's the fourth week, third week, I guess. We, we, we really started, you know, eternity, uh, talk- eternity talking about it. But who would have thought that in three short weeks, Bam. I mean people were talking about what they were doing for Christmas. People talked about, you know, what plans they were gonna make and, and blah 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 blah. Life slowly. I got my second shot. Woo! Life is good. And now we get hit with uh, another variant and it, it transmits incredibly quickly and that's something we have to be concerned about. The great news is uh what is it eighty-eight percent of Ontarians? Uh, 12 plus 88% are fully vaccinated, which is absolutely incredible. An incredible, uh, feat to get that much of the province vaccinated. And, you know, like we're very close to, to 90%, uh, you know, with the two doses, certainly over 90% with one. And now we have to follow up with a booster. Okay. What do you do? Um, but to have that many vaccinated, uh, really shows how, Uh, we can, we can truly combat this and, and, and have people who get it. And boy, (laughs) there's more and more people that have fallen victim to this in your circles. Uh, and it spreads like wildfire. So, but the good news is people with vaccinations aren't getting sick or as sick or it's very mild. Uh, heaven forbid if you don't have your vaccination, try to get on that as fast as you can now that everybody's cramming the thing up trying to get a booster. So, you know, it's funny. I think this is, you know, I think the Omicron variant has made us realize that it's not about beating this it's living with it and how to best do that and i think the vaccination rate and the fact that it's so high in ontario and in canada that you know we're not going to see a hopefully hopefully uh, uh you know mass influx of people heading into the icu or into hospital and then eventually the icu uh because they are fully vaccinated so Uh, I think this is, with the Omicron, because it transmits so quickly, has shown everybody that this will be a piece of our lives, or someone you knows, Uh, and the key is to just be vaccinated, and if you do get it, you're in and out, hopefully. And 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 it's not a you've certainly blunted the the illness that you're going to get. I think that's where we are. And, and, you know, everybody you know keeps yelling and and screaming about boosters and and, of course, you should be getting one, but then should we should be giving it to other parts of the world. um and and again, at the end of the day, I, I think that debate for the woke. Uh, uh, is right up there with feeding the rest of the world. And as soon as we can figure out how to feed the rest of the world, we'll figure out how to vaccinate the rest of the world. Uh, It's not as easy as just dropping vaccine off on someone's shores. Uh, They don't have the same healthcare infrastructure we do. We can't go in and take over their country and tell them what to do. Uh, So it's a lot more complicated an issue, uh, especially worldwide, globally, than just uh, don't get your boat. I don't want my booster. I'm going to send it to another part of the world, which will probably never get it. Uh, again, way back when, when this was uh, uh, first an issue in South Africa, they told people to stop sending vaccines. They have enough vaccine. The issue is the healthcare system being strong enough in order to, and, and robust enough in order to get these things distributed, much like food, much like clean drinking water. These problems are a lot bigger than just affluent nations giving more. Uh, it's a lot more complicated than that. Take a look at Afghanistan. Uh, there's a great example right there. Uh, so, uh, what's important right now is that uh, we keep each other healthy and that we uh, we we try to. Uh, I guess adhere to the protocol as best we can and uh, certainly get your shots and, and get them booked as uh, as quickly as you can. And guess what? Here we go again, waiting through another one. What do you do? As we know, uh, as we see boosters go down now to 18 plus, just a couple of weeks ago, it was lowered to 50 plus, and we certainly know that uh, kids 5 to 11 can now uh, be vaccinated. That started up as well. Uh, but again, we saw hesitancy, we see hesitant to, uh, hesitancy, although really until... Ontario, pat yourselves on the back. My goodness, the amount of people that have been vaccinated, uh, 12-plus, 88%. Uh, with two doses is uh, incredibly uh incredibly significant and is why we're we're doing as well as we are but I, I think even more hesitancy sometimes with the younger kids specifically because they are kids age 5 to 11. Uh, some parents banging down the door to get the kids vaccinated others want to wait and see I, I mean you can imagine what it is like let's bring in dr amanda adams uh, she has been uh, fielding questions from worried patients about covid 19 especially around the kids and to connect with a wider audience outside of uh, her normal practice she has created vax or sorry max the vax a nationwide campaign and multilingual website aimed at providing kids 5 to 11 and the parents and caregiver uh, caregivers some evidence-based evidence-based resources to help them uh, make a uh, educated choice let's bring in dr Amanda Adams family physician Markham Stouffville hospital with us now dr thanks for the time I hope you're well
2: Yes, thanks for having me.
0: Tell us about Max the Vax.
2: <laughs> well, um, so according to the Canadian Medical Association, uh, five million Canadians don't have access to a family physician or someone they can authoritatively that can answer their questions about the COVID nineteen vaccine. So, so that's where we thought uh, Max the Vax comes in. And as you said, it was, it's a website developed especially for kids five to eleven. Uh, their parents and caregivers, and it's a one-stop resource to answer any questions they may have about the COVID-19 vaccine. So we're trying to ensure no parent, child, or caregiver falls through the cracks when it comes to getting the information they need.
0: So uh, Max is actually a character.
2: Yes, he is. He is a characterized um, syringe, actually. Yeah. Uh, which you
0: know some people without seeing it may think oh you know but no believe me you've seen weirder things this is
2: great (laughs) (laughs) well this is for kids this website is developed specifically for kids and max is actually a sticker as well Um, Mm -hmm. and a part of the campaign we've we've um which we launched about a month ago we've sent sixty thousand max stickers across canada to various clinicians health and social service organizations community groups, First Nations. So it's a way to engage kids. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you haven't checked out the website, you got to go and see what Maxivax looks like.
0: <laughs> so do we see or are you seeing more hesitancy among this age group 5 to 11? And it's obvious, you know, how people are obviously concerned about their kids. But we certainly saw all through this uh, vaccination process hesitancy of some form. Uh, is it more so in the younger age demo?
2: Uh, yes, I would say definitely. Um, and again, we expect parents to have questions, yeah. of course. And um, there's many questions that they're asking about safety of the vaccine, potential side effects, um, uh, you know, allergies, if their child has allergies, or they may be worried about fertility issues, which, unfortunately, some of these concerns are coming from misinformation that's circulating through social media channels. And it perpetuates rumors and not facts. And so this is why um, we set up this page, which is evidence-based, trusted information as a source uh, parents can come to to get um, information.
0: So what are some of the questions that are being asked? What are some of the concerns you're hearing from parents and and kids?
2: Uh, right. So I think some of them, you know, are, you know, is the vaccine safe? Uh Particularly, um, you know, because it's it's you know people feel it hasn't been around a lot, but we definitely know that it's been tested. It is very safe and effective, and now um, billions of people around the world have had this. And the vaccine for children is actually at a lower dose than the yeah. adult dose, so there's less side effects um, from it as well. And so, yeah, so that's probably a big one about safety, as well as. Um, Fertility, Some again, I mentioned some, some, unfortunately, this is based in misinformation. And we know that there's absolutely no evidence that the vaccine can alter genetics, hormones, anything like that, and cause any long-term effects.
0: Where did that one come from? I have never (laughs) even heard that one. Wow. Uh, It's not like this is, like, vaccinating kids isn't new, Dr. Adams. I mean, we've been doing this for an awfully long time.
2: Absolutely. So, yes, I vaccinate children all the time. And we, um, in our offices, we've been vaccinating for things like chickenpox, you know, uh, rotavirus, polio. These are common um, illnesses that used to be, you know, devastating and are vaccine preventable. So, COVID 19 is just the same. This is a vaccine preventable illness that protects not only the child, but also people around them and especially to protect potentially people in their household like children under five that aren't able to get vaccinated yet.
0: Are you anticipating that eventually that will happen too? Uh,
2: Yes so there have been uh, there is a study ongoing actually for children uh, under five and uh, we had some preliminary results just come out that had said that it um, at the two doses it wasn't Um, giving the immune response that they had anticipated, unfortunately. So it's going to be extended a bit longer, but we definitely expect it in 2022
0: so um obviously this is you know an issue unto itself vaccinating the kids five to 11 we remember how much we were waiting for that approval and the go-ahead so we could get started on on all of this and things were looking pretty good heading into the holidays now we're faced with omicron and my goodness it seems that the whole mantra has changed in, in literally a week what are your thoughts on all of this doctor
2: well i think it it just Shows us again that, you know, Omicron severity is unknown still. We are seeing um, escalating cases, and um, in some countries, they've actually seen some early data to show that hospitalizations are higher in children. So I think this is um, another reason for us to think that this is a very important thing to be doing right now as much as we can to vaccinate as many people to protect. you know our whole population. So I, th- I think if if people have questions, I would recommend that they specific you know talk to their pediatrician or family doctor uh, to get their their you know answers to anything that they're concerned about.
0: Are you surprised at the amount of people who are vaccinated who are testing positive now?
2: Um, well, not not particularly with Omicron. We know that two doses is um, probably only about 33 percent protective against getting symptoms Hmm. so with the booster we know that goes up to 70 percent and that's why the recommendation now is for everybody to get a booster if they can so we do know that two doses is still very effective against severe illness and ending up in hospital but the third dose and the booster dose is very very important for us um, at this time
0: what about those that have tested positive are they immune now
2: so um, if somebody hasn't had the vaccine, you mean, or they've just had COVID?
0: No, if they were breakthrough infections, oh, so, breakthrough you know, infections. people with two, do- two doses, yeah.
2: So, so if they've had two doses and had uh, COVID, then that has um, probably given them a broader range of protection as well. Um, the, you know, we're still, obviously they're going to have to isolate for 10 days and um, the guidance will still likely be that they should get a third dose.
0: Are you surprised where we are where we are now, Doctor? I mean, that the going into the holidays, uh, it, it, what, what advice do you have for those that are just, going, oh man, I can't believe this again?
2: I know it's, um, it, yeah, it certainly wasn't what we were hoping hoping for this year. I think the the big things are that we need to continue to do, you know, public health, um, our all our public health. Uh, you know things which are washing hands, distancing, keeping our our uh, you know people limited in terms of our contacts, as well as everybody at any age who's eligible to get vaccinated should get mm. vaccinated.
0: Dr. Amanda Adams with us, family physician, Markham Stowville Hospital. Check out Max the Vax, uh, especially geared towards kids 5 to 11 to answer any questions they may have about getting the COVID-19 vaccination. That's Max the Vax. Great idea, doctor. Thanks for the time. Be well. Thank
2: you. You too.
0: All right, you might remember a few weeks ago we were talking about the uh, Chinese tennis star uh, that uh, initially uh, alleged that uh, a a party official with the Chinese Communist Party had sexually assaulted her. Uh, Then, of course, she disappeared, and the Women's Tennis Association started asking a lot of questions, making this a story. And now, all of a sudden, um, the tennis star says she never accused anyone of sexually assaulting her. Let's bring in Elliot Tepper, emeritus professor uh, political science, Carleton University with us now. Elliot, thank you for the time. I hope you're well.
3: Oh, thank you. Same to you, Scott.
0: So, uh, the, the tennis star said she never accused
3: anyone of sexual assault.
0: Is that accurate?
3: I've been reading a translation. She wrote this originally, of course, in Chinese. I've been reading a translation of what she posted, and there's reason to think there's ambiguity there. But that's not really the point at the moment, because the main point is, having said something that might be interpreted as casting a bad light on a member of the Politburo, uh, she disappeared, as we, you and I have talked about. She disappeared for a couple of weeks, and when she reappeared, it was under very strange circumstances. The Women's Tennis Association has said, we have yet to be convinced through all these various appearances, including the one we're talking about now, that that she's free and and open and not under coercion, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, So we are not convinced. And keeping in mind the WTO, their largest market market is China, and they have suspended uh, at great cost to themselves all of their activities in China. So we are still not farther along in determining the situation for this internationally known tennis star.
0: Uh, could it be that this is just people looking for something but on the other hand this is not a, it doesn't seem politically motivated this is the women's tennis association that's asking questions not a not a political body
3: yes uh, i don't think the wTO is acting on a political imperative as i said it's costing them uh, a lot of their money a lot of their, one of their main sources of funds to maintain that association to keep it afloat and of course we're right on the edge of the olympics so uh, I think everything relating to what we've been talking about becomes political since we are within now a few weeks of the opening of the Olympics, uh, of course, uh, hosted in Beijing. So the pos- the the reaction of the party has been whatever the situation of her note, which she now disavows or says, well, you've misunderstood what I was saying, she's saying, and uh Uh, And then she said, "But the English translation—that's correct. (laughs) That's interesting." But she's um, she's saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm free to travel. Look, and if I haven't left the country, it's because I have no reason to. I haven't got anything else to prove. But I'm, I'm free." So we have a situation where the party has reacted firmly and in characteristic ways. No matter what the ambiguity of her note might have been, the plausible deniability, even. If the uh, accused party wanted to come forward, which he's not, the party has reacted in a very characteristic way and made her basically a non-person or a person whose, so far appearances and uh, commentary is not convincing to outsiders. So what happens now, Elliot? Uh, we aren't sure what happens now. The possibility exists that she will be eventually allowed to travel, but again, under what circumstances, what's what's the pressures put upon her. What's going to happen now, I think, is that um, the U.S. and Canada and other states have said they're not going to the Olympics. So I guess a a, a few quick points on this. One, whatever the ambiguity is, I'm saying, uh, the, the reaction of the party to squelch any sort of autonomous voice and to be sure that the party itself is not brought into question and that, particularly over questions of sexual allegations, uh, the party's reacting very firmly. Second of all, I think the reaction of the U.S. and the Western countries to whether they should go to the Olympics or not is an interesting one. The, the French president has said, okay, a diplomatic boycott yeah. is in- insignificant in his term. If you either go or you don't go. I'm going to go. Uh, because, as, and, as is the U.N. Secretary General, keeping in mind also that China has said, all these countries that aren't coming, we don't care. Besides, we didn't invite them anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How so, is China coping with Omicron Omicron, and, yeah. and COVID-19 in general at this point?
3: Well, one always has to be curious about information coming out of Beijing. Uh, they've had a, an announced excellent record in dealing with the original outbreak Apart from the fact of being transparent about the origins of it and the initial period, but they, they have moved decisively in a country of $1.4 billion to um, build hospitals, to do testing, etc. Now that Omicron is hitting, uh, you can expect that they will also move very quickly and effectively.
0: Elliot Tepper with us, professor of political science, Carleton University. Uh, Elliot, I wish we had another hour. We'll chat again. <laughs> Thanks so much for the time and be well. We didn't even touch on Hong Kong. Thanks so much no, for chat.
3: Yes, so there's even more on, on the Olympics to talk about. So call anytime, Scott. We will for sure. Thank you so much. To catch
0: up on the news and information you've missed. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Boy, we've heard it again. Uh, we, we were talking uh, to Alan Cross several weeks ago and others in regard to our. Artists selling off their uh, catalogs and such, and Bruce Springsteen, just the latest to do that. Also, news in regard to Neil Young saying he's not going to tour until COVID-19 is beat. Uh, Will that ever be the case? Are there other artists that perhaps are following suit? Let's bring in Alan Cross, host of the Ongoing History of New Music. And with us now, Alan, thanks for the time as always. Hope you're doing well.
4: Uh, I'm trying to stay safe and test uh, negative.
0: I know I'm hearing you, man. It's very difficult, uh, but hey, we've been through it before. Uh, maybe I can figure out some other things that'll say uh, to say that'll cheer us up. I don't know. Uh, that's why we want to talk about music today, and let's get the negative stuff out of the way first. Here, Neil Young says he's not going to tour until all of this is beat. Is that uh, a way of backing away? We we wonder if it will ever be beat, or uh, is this a sign of things to come? Do you think?
4: Well, I think he's being cautious. I mean, the man's in his seventies, and yeah. Uh, He's going to be very, very careful. I mean, a lot of what we would call heritage or legacy artists are choosing to stay off the road because, first of all, touring is tough enough on the body as it is. Uh, If you're in your 70s, it's really tough on your body. And if you're in your 70s and there's a pandemic, uh, you know, you just don't want to take the chance. I, I understand what Neil's saying, and I think you're going to see an awful lot of artists to exactly the same sort of thing as we get a little bit deeper into 2022. It'll all depend on the Omicron thing, and it'll all depend on uh, vaccination rate. You know, Neil is very much pro-vaccine, and he certainly isn't going to play in a place that won't offer, you know, some locked, locked-in locked COVID protocols.
5: Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, uh,
4: we're not out of this yet, and it's going to go on for a while, I think, probably by next summer we'll have a better idea of how this is all going to shake out.
0: You know, Alan, as you mentioned, the artists that are at this point in their life, and there's an awful lot of them, we just, you know, we're talking about the Genesis show uh, in Toronto not too long ago, but there's a lot of artists who probably wanted to give one more kick at the can. Uh, of doing this, and do you think that some may not, as a result of all of this? Like you know, you think even the Stones, what happened, and uh, with Charlie Watson, such. Now, obviously, that's uh, totally unrelated. Um, but you know, many, I think, a lot of these acts thought we can get one more, one more tour out of this, and and now that's probably you know altering a lot of plans.
4: I, I think it, I think it is. I mean, I'm glad I managed to see Paul McCartney one last time because I'm not really sure if we'll ever see him on the road again. I mean, the last mm. thing we want to see is is the greatest living songwriter alive, because he pushed himself on tour. Uh, And you have to remember too, that a lot of these people were of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll generation. So as they were growing older, they didn't really take care of themselves. And, you know, they've got issues with hips, they've got issues with livers, they've got issues with lungs, they've got issues with hearts. Again, all these things add up to, you know what, I'm going to stay home Hunker down and not worry about getting COVID. All right, Springsteen, the latest to
0: uh, sell to Sony for uh, five hundred million—is this the pinnacle? Does this is this uh, the bar that everybody else bases their stuff on? Uh, is there someone with more than that?
4: Uh, well, Paul McCartney, definitely.
0: Yeah, that would make sense. Obviously,
4: uh, I I had a uh, conversation just a few minutes ago with Gene Simmons of Kiss, and he told me that he would be open to selling stuff. But in his case, uh, he would have to have somebody buy all the likeness and imagery rights to Kiss, which wow. he says would blow past Bruce Springsteen's $500 million. Okay. It, it all depends. You know, we go back to our touring question. If you're uh, an artist and you're in your 70s, the twilight of not just your career but your life, um, you can't take it with you. So if you can't tour to accumulate wealth before you die – well then, maybe you'll sell your songs, and at least that way, you have an opportunity to do some estate planning. You have to do a chance to you know take care of some taxes. You uh, also will have somebody who will guarantee that your music will live on beyond your death. Because
0: and that's an important part to this too, isn't it, Alan? It's the I, legacy and what happens beyond you,
4: right? Because it used to be that you would have a good career, you would die, and your songs would slowly fade away. This way, you've got these giant companies who have made huge investments in your music, and they need to get a return on that. They're gonna, it's going to take years and years and years for them to make their money back, for example, with the Bruce Springsteen situation. So that means this music will have to be kept alive in some form, or another, not just for another 10 years, but another 50 years.
0: So who's next? You talked of Gene Simmons of Kiss. Uh, you you kind of uh, uh, balked when when he said his was worth more than the boss's. I understand the imagery and such, but, man, the boss has got quite a thick catalog. Who do you think, other than you said McCartney, who who's up there? Who who's still who will we be surprised by?
4: I think the next Domino to Fall will be Sting. Yeah. Because uh, I, I've heard that he is in talks to uh, – uh, to sell his music, and the number I heard was $600 million.
0: So what happens if someone like Sting, obviously not quite as old as, as a Springsteen or a Rolling Stone or such, what happens if they continue to create product? Does, the, it, it, does that continue on to this deal as well, or is that a separate
6: entity?
4: Well, that's a completely separate entity because those songs are unproven. You only want these these, these investment companies, only want songs that are proven moneymakers. So in 99.9% of the cases, it is only for the back catalog. Let's uh, take uh, Imagine Dragons, for example. They were, uh, they sold out last year for $100 billion, but they have retained the rights to any new songs that they may create going forward.
0: There you have it. So, first, certainly not the uh, the last domino to drop here. Alan Cross, with his host of the ongoing history of new music, talking about all things musical in a global pandemic and selling your rights. Alan, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well.
4: You would, uh Stay
0: positive. Test negative. Hey, Will, did you get uh, did you get Ted Michaels on the phone? Do you want? To, did you get Ted on the phone? Did, did he did he call in? Did he want to be a part of this? Uh, he, I just no?
1: I heard some swearing and then I think the phone just Is dropped.
0: Yeah, one of those. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's over. It's done with. You know, we're gonna put it out there. If he's listening, he he can call in and he could join us if he likes. I'd like to hear his opinion at this stage in life. No, we don't. All right. Uh, Thanks for joining us, kids around the table. Let's start with the poll question of the day. Has Omicron deepened your pandemic fatigue? Uh, 85% of you are saying yes. I guess that's an understatement. Uh, I want to weigh in on this, Diana. What are your thoughts? How are your mood? What are you feeling right now?
7: Yeah, I think the fatigue is definitely ramped up for sure. Uh, Like I said, you know, we were getting ready for Christmas. We were all happy and confident. And then Omicron comes in like the Grinch that it is and steals our christmas from us but i guess we got to be safe and uh, i understand why why some people are doing what they're doing and paring down the celebrations and stuff so
0: now will loves this um will will seems (laughs) to do the very best at the height of any pandemic (laughs) or wave oh dear will will is uh will likes seclusion and this is pretty, this is an exciting time for you, isn't it? Will? I
1: guess I do. Is it
0: like, is it Christmas come early for you? Or yeah, no, I'm just Let's, kidding,
1: let's party. No, um,. You know, I'm not sure if it's even the seclusion. I think it's a uh, Rick Zamperin, host of uh, Good Morning Hamilton, and and my boss here during performance review uh, last year. He started off with, "Will, you seem to do well during times of chaos?" Uh, I think it, it might be. Something Maybe that's you could... why
0: you're always creating it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're slingy. always creating
0: chaos because it's it's where you uh, operate uh, with the most yeah, optimal performance. Yeah. No. I'm just See, a I just realized a that. Yeah. I'm, g- I'm going to keep that in mind. As you're driving us through these shows every day uh, Will likes it a little uh, Doesn't mind it if you take the vehicle off Onto the shoulder and get a little uh, Just a get bit some, of a swerve, right? Get some sparks off the guardrail
1: you like that. Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't think, I, I honestly, I'm a little bum. I'm bummed by Omicron. I really, yeah, you know, I yeah. don't think any of us are really like, Oh, here we go. I can't wait to break out all the, the lovely smelling hand sanitizer again. But, uh, I you know, I kind of look at it as, all right. We've been thrown another curveball. We have we know how to deal with these. This is yeah, what life yeah. is. Nothing Every day has something weird tossed at you. This one, we did it last year. We can do it again. We're in a much better place, as you have reminded us several times over. You know, and, and for this, it's like, all right, we lock down. We're expecting maybe cold, crummy weather anyway. We can phone a relative if we like. We get through this. Afterwards, we've got our boosters. It's January, and we can start watching things, you know, just climb go upward from there.
0: You know what I think is fascinating. Tucker too, agrees, apparently. Yes. <laughs> you know the mic's been off for uh, 60 seconds. He doesn't bark. As soon as I hit it, he starts barking. I, I think what this has made us realize too is that you know I think a lot of people were thinking, well, we're vaccinated, we're good to go, we're done. Uh, and then of course the booster started. Okay, we got to get that done. And, and and life in the in the vaccinated world is pretty good, and and everything's off and running, and we're on our way to beating this. And and I think what's happened is with Omicron. Uh, omicron we've realized that mm, yeah, this is always going to be there and there's always going to be new variants forming because we're a global village and there's there's other parts of the world that have not been vaccinated yet so uh, at the end of the day we are going to get variants and i think that this makes us realize that i i don't think this is necessarily a beginning and an end it's it's kind of living with it and if that means you know every year you get a booster or what have you um i think that's and, and maybe that's why we're so disappointed this time as we thought it was over over yeah and really you know maybe that's expecting too much maybe you know just trying to live with it uh would be a good start thoughts
7: well i mean i just i i get that, like you know a lot of people uh don't mind the lockdowns too much and stuff like that and myself included i mean for me I mean, just staying inside, it's not a huge deal, you know, paring down celebrations, but I do feel, and and we know this. Um, so you many know, suffering, yeah. There's so many people, especially yeah. this time of year, are suffering from horrendous mental illness, yeah. uh, addictions issues. There's kids that might possibly be in violent situations at home. Yeah. For them to be trapped inside a house and not being able to have any refuge anywhere with the outside world, that's what I that's what scares me, and I feel like you know hands are tied. How are we going to go about this? Because you know we can't backlog the hospitals and the healthcare system. So we need to do these lockdowns, I suppose. But at the same time, you know, there's people that are really, really struggling out there. And you know, you know, cutting that those hours for a bar at Christmas time um, might just be the ticket for someone to you know maybe start drinking or maybe just lose their savings. Um, and you know, my husband and I were talking. And we were saying, well, what's going to happen on New Year's? eve like all these parties that were planned oh sorry guys uh last calls at 10 you got to be out of here an hour before the ball drops like i just Mm. i mean i know that's first world problems that you know we're we're worried about our our new year's plans but it's more just so the businesses i think that are going to be suffering here
0: and you know we've heard uh many situations around the world where cities are canceling their uh new year's eve celebrations and and how do you move forward with that and i mean my goodness as you've mentioned we we're talking about you know getting through december what happens january 1 uh what happens new year's eve that's that that's also a huge question all right let's move off of this for a bit and uh we we've seen uh, over the last couple of years uh artists selling the rights of their music Uh, for huge amounts of money and and some are at the end of their career some are really just at the beginning or halfway through and and selling the music and and many people have questioned whether what the the whole idea behind this is other than just to get rich quick Uh, but as Alan Cross pointed out this secures the legacy of the music that it will continue to be used for the next 50 years that will continue to to generate revenue continue to be heard over the over the next uh, so many years so your thoughts Thoughts on uh, Bruce selling his for five hundred million? Who do you think is going to beat that? Um, Alan suggested Paul McCartney, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but he even said Sting was working on his for something like six hundred million. What are your thoughts, Diana?
7: Uh, I don't know exactly like what the the numbers will be here, but I think it will be really hard to top. You know, Springsteen. I mean. Yeah. Uh, I I don't really understand if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think there's obviously mixed um, opinions within the music industry. I mean, Taylor Swift, obviously the most known one who says, you know, no, we have to own our own music. We can't sell it out. We have to do this. We have to do this. Be owners of our art. Um, but then I guess, you know, maybe artists like Springsteen who had hits, you know, in the, in, in the earlier days, you know, maybe this is their, their, their only option and it's seen as a good thing. So I really don't know what kind of precedent this sets. But yeah, 500 million, that's, uh, that's quite the catalog. <laughs> you bring up a
0: valid point because at one point, everybody was trying to buy their music back. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, Paul McCartney, for example, I mean, he lost his to Michael Jackson and has spent the last little while trying to get his the, the rights to Beatles music back. The thing is, though, if if you're in your 70s, 80s, whatever, and you're at, towards the end of your lifespan, who's going to man, uh, manage all of this in your on your behalf? Are you going to keep a management team employed to do this? Is there somebody that reports to your family and writes them a check every, every week or every month or every year? Uh, and I think what this also does is it gets, it cashes out. So it gives them the check they can spread it out across their family whichever way they see and now you know it's up to the whoever owns it i guess to uh, to manage the rights of it but yeah you bring up a valid point diana like guys like paul mccartney they were fighting to get theirs back what are your thoughts will
1: uh, yeah I what Alan said about how this is a way for artists to make sure their work continues yeah, um that really struck me because it's funny. I was thinking about how, in the old days, it's like who who are you selling out? you're selling out your your yeah. art to a company? what would you do with it and in this way, they're kind of you know a lot of these people who in the old days were rebellious young rockers, musicians, whatever you know they're 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 ensuring that their cultural impact. Continues, especially in, using, a in, a in a digital age now. You're in a digital age, and they're using the system. You know, they're using this this yeah. corporate monopoly. All the stuff, all the stuff you would have been. You know, <laughs> what, yeah. are, what's going to happen? Are you going to hear the Ramones in a car ad or something for a remember for a that? Family remember, remember when
0: everybody was getting? When everybody was getting upset because uh, all of a sudden, Beatles stuff was appearing in ads because yeah. Michael Jackson had purchased the rights. Yeah. Like, uh, how dare you? You know, how dare you to sell out to to corporate America? I don't know. Does that mean we're does that mean we've lost our way? Are, are we I less now?
1: No, I think it's. I think it could be a positive thing. I think it's the merger. As again, it's like on one hand, you're like corporate America is grabbing hold of all this art and wringing it, and like that's a thing that bugs me. I could go off about NFTs for 15 minutes if you had me on with Carmi Levy, but at the same time, it's like no, car, corporate America now is being wrapped, encapsulated with all this great artwork. That's that all and this you don't music hear which that. is getting into our into our <laughs> system.
0: Do you not want to hear that great old song in a new movie that has just come out? Exactly. Maybe it matches it. It's
1: All right. uh,
0: We've only got a little bit of time left here. Uh, Will, you saw the Spider-Man movie, the new one, in IMAX. Without giving any of it away, just tell us yay, nay, how was it?
1: Uh, I will give you a yay, but I will also say with a little more sensitivity than I might have demonstrated earlier on, maybe wait until we're all a little more boosted before you go check it out or do any theaters. And I can tell you a little bit more later on, but uh, yeah, we're plum out of time, I think, Scott.
0: Yeah, yeah, unless you're wearing your own suit, don't go into the theater. All right, 445. Thank you, Big round table as always. This is- is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900-CHML. And we're seeing it, of course, with the NHL and pretty much all of the major sports leagues uh, across North America. The NHL has adopted to postpone cross-border games until after uh, the Christmas break, but it seems that this uh, story is almost changing da- uh, daily, if not hourly. Let's bring in uh, Sean Fitzgerald, managing editor, feature writer in The Athletic, and with us now. Sean, thanks for the time. I hope you're well.
5: I'm as well as could possibly be.
0: So give us an update here. Where is the NHL right now when it comes to COVID-19? This is all changing pretty quickly. Uh, where are we today?
5: Deep in the soup, Scott. We're all deep in yeah. the soup. And the NHL is right there with us. Um, and so is the NBA, and so is the NFL. Um, yeah, I mean, the NHL has you know, put a pause on cross-border games. Um, they have a number of teams, maybe even a third of the league the last time I checked. Um, in, I guess, what you would technically call outbreak, um, you know, they've had to tighten up protocols, mask wearing, um, et cetera, because, again, like the 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 very future of, you know, the immediate term of the NHL schedule is hanging in the balance. To say nothing of, you know, the NHL's uh, potential participation in the Olympics in 2022, which seems, you know, more and more in doubt by the second
0: so, what is the situation like south of the border? Is it just as bad or equal as to what it
5: is here? Yeah, I mean, teams are in outbreak. Um, you know, teams are unable to play. Games are being canceled. Um, I mean, it, it's it's the new variant. It's Omicron. It's it's everywhere. Um, it will find you. Um, so, you know, pro sports. You know, some are suggesting or the the canary in the mine shaft. Although that, you know, that metaphor sort of falls down a lot when you see that the reality is that the mine shafts falling down all around us. That. You know, these were athletes who were tested regularly, had access to screening that, you know, the regular folks you and I don't really have. And yet, even though they were, you know, at the time fully vaxxed with the two two doses, um, there were still breakthrough infections. There were still um, asymptomatic uh, infections being detected through this testing. So um, in a way, they sort of told the future. And now, you know, they're in it just as much as us.
6: How did we
0: get to uh again uh, postponing cross-border games? How did that decision come about that, you know, no longer back and forth? Was that the league? Yeah. Is that is that the is that uh, the country? How do how do they make those decisions?
5: Yeah, I think part of it, frankly, could be the the notion of um if you're caught positive uh, in another country, um what does that mean um for yeah. you in terms of being able to rejoin your family over the holiday break? The NHL right. does break for a holiday break, so that is built into it.
0: So is this um, just a temporary Canadian bubble? Do you think we're heading back to a Canadian bubble?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting conversation. Um, When you think that, you know, well, no, they couldn't because it's baked into the schedule. Well, no, I mean... This is a money-making venture this is this is grown men in colorful clothing chasing a frozen disc around (laughs) like they will bend over backwards to find a way to make money so if if this is really going to be the runaway train that it seems like it's going to be in terms of um infections in terms of um, protocols coming back i mean obviously we've seen what happened in quebec today with the dramatic um necessary scale back of things um yeah i I could foresee a, a time where you know, certainly in the short term, that it's an all-Canadian division again. It certainly wouldn't be easy, but um, I think the alternative might be not playing games at all.
0: That's my next question, Sean. I mean, obviously nobody wants to go there. Uh, that being said, if we're, if we're stopping teams from going across the border, how long before we stop them from even going from city to city?
5: Well, I can break this news to you here, Scott, at 4.54 on uh, whatever day this is, whatever month this is, but my beer league just sent out an email to say that it's closing <laughs> down for two weeks. So my beer wow. league team will not be on the ice for the next two weeks. So I can I can say that, breaking it on CHML. Um, but yeah, I mean, minor hockey's on a pause. Um, beer league's on a pause. Um, a ton of OHL teams are in outbreak and on pause. Yeah, of course, it stands to reason that You know, the NHL, they're made up of super talented winners of the genetic lottery, but they're still human. So if there's outbreaks, yeah, there's a real possibility the games might have to be put on pause.
0: You talked about the Beijing Olympics coming up uh, in the winter next, uh, in the new year, obviously. Uh, there was lots of chatter politically, whether, you know, any athlete should be going to the Beijing Games. Now, all of a sudden, it's become an issue of a global pandemic and COVID-19. Uh, how much of this, how much do you think this, this new variant is going to affect what is happening in Beijing, not only with NHL, but all all sports?
5: Well, I mean, the political talk is still happening. There are athletes, yeah. mostly former athletes, who have come out and said, "Look, like morally, this this is defensible." But yeah, the practical application of this new variant—and I guess we still call it new at this point, maybe not—but you know, there was a discussion of, you know, if NHL players were going to go, um, how would they deal with what the, you know, at that moment the the Chinese the host committee protocol was going to be, which is if you have a positive case if you test positive while you're there um, you would be in isolation for three to five weeks and mm. you know for an NHL player that might have say millions of dollars to make and a playoff push to make back home that wouldn't be really palatable so those were discussions that were unfolding before this wave sort of crashed across Europe and into North America so I think now that's probably even more untenable and given the fact that you know all of those projections and all of the modeling looks super scary right now i don't know how you could um say we're going to the olympics when you know the <laughs> national predators and ottawa senators can't even play on a monday night in december
0: boy that's a valid point isn't it it'll be fascinating to see how this unfolds especially in regard to uh, the beijing olympics as you said uh it's not so much about getting sick it's getting there not being able to get back and, and my goodness if you're in that part of the world the only thing you can think about is the two michaels uh, uh do you think this is just another reason not to go
5: I wouldn't go. Would you go? Yeah. Right. No, nope, not at all. If, if you got a media pass, would you go?
0: <laughs> no, considering what I've said about uh, the Chinese Communist Party over the last couple of years, I don't think I'd feel safe. Uh, Sean Fitzgerald with his managing editor feature writer in The Athletic talking about the NHL uh, at this point, uh, postponing cross-border games. We'll see what happens uh, as the we're back to sort of the Christmas bubble, Canadian Christmas bubble. Sean, thanks so much for the time as always. Be well.
5: Thank you, and you as well. All right, uh, l-
0: let's bring in a little deviation here as opposed to, and then if we run out of gas, I'll tell you what's coming up on the show. But, you know, it's the same old crap. You're going to love it. And and feel <laughs> free to jump into the conversation. Scott Thompson at 900CHML.com. And the phone lines are always open, 905-645-3221, nine hundred 9900 on your cell. Trying to keep it a little bit more light and when we have to talk about it, we're going to talk to Thomas Ten Kate uh, from Ryerson University coming up uh, in the next ten minutes or so, and he will give us uh, some more updates on where we are with Omicron. But other than that, you know, I mean, it is what it is, and um, let's try to be positive and move forward on it. So at that point, um, Will, who who you know has just got to the point where he's getting out and seeing movies again uh and has gone to the movie theater there for the last uh couple of weeks i'm thinking uh and now i i think he is i think this is the last time that he will go this year uh considering where we are but was lucky enough to see the new spider-man flick yeah and i might add was lucky enough to see it in imax so what I want to really have, what you sh- really should have done, Will, was record yourself watching this in IMAX because I think <laughs> it would be kind of fun. It's always watch fun watching people in IMAX because their body literally moves. It's oh my, something's <laughs> coming at me. Oh my, uh, uh, uh. so I can imagine. Like I've seen clips of this flick uh, and, and such, and you know, obviously the effects and such are. Absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't you wouldn't expect anything less. But man, you add IMAX to that mix. What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, it was pretty wild. Uh, because it isn't just Spider Man, which you got to have a certain uh, kinetic feel to movies like that. They've got to be constantly moving, very high energy, jumping around. Uh, they yeah. threw in the whole uh, uh, Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch in there, whose whole deal is uh, uh, extremely psychedelic 3D uh, visual effects, ca- kaleidoscopic land. <laughs> So they got Spider-Man swinging through all this stuff as reality breaks down around you and you've got the whole kind of curved screen surrounding you. I was tucked off in the corner of the cinema and even I'm leaning back in my seat. And that's not just to avoid breath from other people surrounding me. Uh, Yeah, the whole... It really was a very... immersive experience just in that everyone around you is doing the whoa at the same time as you describe so,
0: was it obviously you've seen Spider-Man and Marvel movies before oh, yeah. uh, was it quite a bit of a different experiencing uh, seeing it in IMAX like would you would you now go back and see others that way would you only go forward seeing those in IMAX now that you've experienced it this way is, is this the way to see it
1: uh, I think it's still you gotta you gotta leave it up to your judgment depending on the type of Marvel movie I was even thinking to myself how it's funny. A few years ago, everything was in 3D. This one was not 3D. It was just yeah, plain yeah, IMAX. 3D yeah. might have been a little too much. Yeah, but really. but yeah, it, it's always, you know, which film are you going to go see? Are you going to see, even with the Marvel movies, they have their more somber, serious ones that are just kind of like a heist film or, or something. You know, you don't need that one in IMAX. But again, something like this, you can tell just from the trailers. They're going to be throwing every visual, every weird camera angle they can think at you, and it's like... Sure, and, and I didn't even go out. This, this was just a fortuitous event. Uh, these tickets got bounced around, and mm. I ended up with with tickets to go see Spider-Man and IMAX, so I got bundled up in my N95, my polypropylene mask, holding that in place over top. thought probably a, looked
0: like a villain sitting I in there. I totally...
1: Okay, the one 10-year-old like was glaring bounced. at me. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I, I might have spooked a few people, and I gotta say, honestly, I was a little spooked in there as well, which is why I'm calling it... This is Will's well, season... It. Last flick Last flick for the season. We can consider this the holiday break and I'll be back with my reviews another time. But uh, of all the films to go out with, yup, it was worth it. I'm going to encourage everyone else, you know, bide your time. Avoid avoid the spoilers online, but people seem to be behaving themselves when it comes to that. Some of them you can guess already. Others, I was a little wide-eyed. And that, that's been a problem with some of the Marvel movies is they do get kind of predictable, but the writers mm. behind this, they're not just taking pay out of old comics which I would have grown up reading I know I recognize little bits and pieces they they scrubbed from but for the most part they made their own original thing and they got pretty creative with it so it's it's on the upper tier of of Marvel Marvel movies it's good fun and uh, it'll probably be in theaters for a while so you'll get your chance after you've got your booster and the two-week waiting period to uh, have your system adapt to it and then you can go check it out
0: two thumbs up from the will man on the imax version of the new spider-man flick i don't know i'd end up with a sore neck uh thank you will let's bring in thomas 10k professor school of occupational and public health with ryerson university and talk about where we are uh this uh less than a week now before christmas thomas is with us now tom thanks for the time
8: i hope you're well uh yes thanks scott i'm great how are you doing
0: I'm doing pretty good, Thomas. It's amazing how things have changed in such a very short period of time. Your thoughts of where we are today?
8: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, you know, so with uh, the Omicron uh, variant sort of really starting to take hold, it's a a pretty fast moving situation. Uh, You know, when looking at the data, we're, you know, sort of roughly around the 4,000 cases per day uh, now. And that's sort of getting close to the, The peak of the second second wave we had so so you know it's really uh sort of skyrocketed pretty quickly in the last few weeks uh the the good thing is that at this stage it doesn't seem to be translating to uh hospitalizations you know that that high proportion we had a a much larger proportion in the in the previous waves and uh we the the, we're having a the pretty low you know sort of numbers of deaths at this stage as well associated with it so so you know given all of that you know I think it the case numbers are, are scary but uh, at this stage you know the, the the more serious outcomes aren't seeming to translate but but I think longer term, with the, you know high numbers of cases, you know proportionally we we will start to uh, impact the healthcare system and and really start to see a lot, lot more uh, of the more serious outcomes. So so that's where we're at, but uh, it, it is uh, it is definitely a fast moving situation.
0: Uh, but when I when I was looking at these numbers today, 3,784 new cases uh, for Ontario. That's down a bit from the weekend, which was was up over 4,000, as you mentioned. But what I found stunning was out of that 3,700, over 2,700 are fully vaccinated. So the vast majority of the people that are getting this. Are fully vaccinated, as you mentioned. The good news is, uh, if they're getting sick, it, it's very minimal, and it's keeping them out of uh, out of hospital and such. But what are your thoughts of the fact that so many of these people are already double vaxxed?
8: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, we're uh, you know, and, and that sort of translates also to the numbers in into hospital. Uh, you know, the uh, the latest numbers I'm seeing is you know, sort of sort of two thirds or three quarters of the people in hospital are also fully vaccinated, but uh but translating into ICU is not as not as many. It's still predominantly unvaccinated in you know ICU for the more serious serious conditions. So so I think uh you know what that's really saying is that uh what we what we're classifying as fully vaccinated, the, the two doses is is not uh not doing the trick and and uh and so it really means being double vaxed is not going to is not sufficient to to really keep you out of hospital now, uh, and so that's really means that the uh, the booster is is really needed, and uh, you know so if, so people need to try and get out there and get their booster shots as uh, as soon as they're able to. Uh,
0: obviously, we're seeing the numbers increase of those fully vaccinated or, or breakthrough cases that are, are 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 testing positive. What happens to those people with a booster? Do they continue on with their booster shot? Do they not need it? Do they wait? What what do, mm-hmm. what do you do then?
8: Yeah, yeah. I I definitely think that uh, you know when when if you're eligible for the booster, uh, you know sort of definitely get it uh you know what we what they have been saying is that uh people who have been a case uh and then then uh get uh, get vaccinated have uh you know are, are in a much better position longer term and so so uh if people are sort of uh you know an active case at the moment i, I think you know they have there's uh, protocols around when they can get their booster after that but but uh, still definitely get a get a booster if you're in that situation
0: so is there any harm in getting a booster after you have
8: tested positive? Uh, no, like, like, I think, uh, I think it's still fair enough to still get it, uh, given, given what they're, what they're saying is that, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, again, you know, as the name says, a boost, it, it's, uh, you know, I think, you know, what we're looking for is any, any boost that uh, people can get, you uh, however is, is is the way to go and so so uh, apart from you know becoming an active an active case obviously we but uh, but definitely if you you know do become infected and you are a, a, you know a, a become a case then then i still think you know it's it's fair to uh to look at getting a booster when when you're able to
0: what about fatigue many thomas have been talking about how you know we were pretty much geared for the holidays here it looked like things were pretty good heading into december and then boom in the last couple of weeks omicron has reared its ugly head Uh, what about fatigue and 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 where people's mindset is at this point
8: yeah it 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 definitely you know we're, we're sort of you know coming up to two years of of the the pandemic and uh i think I think everyone is is fatigued about uh, you know just the situation and the, the 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 changing situation. I think one of the things that you know that what I'd say to people is that we're you know historically you know when for for pandemics uh, you know they've sort of been in that two two to two and a half year uh, time frame and at the at closer to the end of the end of the pandemic the the the, the virus tends to become. In, come into a form like a variant that is is much more easily transmitted but doesn't uh have the same sort of serious out out, outcomes and so so that's you know if if you think about that you know those those criteria are starting to line up for us and so Hmm. so given that you know sort of i know that it's tough i know that uh you know this this could be changing people's uh Uh, holiday uh, plans and and I think people should should be concerned or you know concerned and and considering you know changing holiday plans depending on on what the uh, makeup of of the uh, the events are but 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 I think that we are uh, getting closer to the end uh, you know based on on what we we know how history has has fallen out so so that's That's that's, interesting there's, there's a silver lining there yeah that's an
0: interesting point that you bring up about where we are, and this could very much be, with this variant, a turning point uh, because it is so transmissible, yet we are obviously surviving it with uh, lots of vaccination. Uh, Thomas Ten Kate with us, Professor, School of Occupational and Public Health, Ryerson University. Thomas, always thanks for the time. Be well.
8: Uh, thanks very much, Scott. Have a great day. Thank you.
0: If you're all about drama and gossip, well, this isn't for you. This is Hamilton Today with Scott Thompson on 900 CHML. Uh, Obviously, lots of chatter over the weekend in regard to the concern around the Omicron virus, or variant rather, and uh, obviously how quickly it uh, transmits from place to place, host to host, uh, far more than uh, Delta. As a result, we have 3,784 new cases uh... in ontario today that is down from sunday's peak of uh... four thousand one hundred and seventy uh... seven uh... the peak uh... that we have experienced is about four thousand eight hundred and that was uh... in around april of uh, earlier on in the year uh, during this global pandemic. Obviously, uh, lots of concern about how quickly it spreads, and uh, many are saying that it, it may not be as severe, but simply with the numbers that are uh, testing positive, a lot of those people uh, uh, break away cases. In other words, um, have already been double vaccinated, including today out of the 3,700 uh, in Ontario that uh, have tested positive. I believe it was 2,700 that had been fully vaccinated. Obviously, they getting uh, not as ill and not uh, hopefully ending up in hospital as a result of all of this because, of course, so many of Ontarians are now fully vaccinated. What does it mean for Hamilton and Hamilton St. Joseph's Health Care System? How are they faring under all of this? Let's bring in Dr. Greg Rutledge, Chief of Emergency Medicine. St. Joseph's Health Care, Hamilton, and with us now, Doctor, thank you for the time. I hope you're well.
6: I'm, I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's talk about hospital capacity because that's obviously what many are concerned about. We're certainly seeing lots of new cases. How are the hospitals handling this? Are we seeing any more in hospital or ICU at this point?
6: We have seen a, a bit of a slow climb, certainly not to, a, not to a, a crazy amount yet in terms of code either in the ICU or on our floors. But there has been a climb from where we started um, back when there wasn't this wave coming of Omicron prior to this.
0: What are your thoughts as uh, where we are now on this Monday? It's amazing how things have changed since last week.
6: It is impressive. You know, you get sort of immune to some of the projections and think we're never going to get there. And, uh, um, yeah, as you alluded to with the numbers there, it was a, it's was. it been a pretty steep climb. I think probably many of your listeners have seen that graph of how quickly we've gone up with Omicron. and. And so it is an impressive rise. We're still waiting to see the impact that's going to have. We know there's always a delay between new cases and ultimate hospitalizations. And so we're still kind of watching closely to see what's going to happen. You know, there's some evidence to say that South Africa was a little bit more mild cases. Denmark and England is saying maybe it's a bit more aggressive. And so we're not really sure where this is going to land. in preparations, assuming the worst, but hoping for the best. You mentioned a lot of these are vaccinated people. And while it's doesn't seem to be preventing against Omicron in terms of getting it. It does still seem to be holding that there's less likelihood of getting the ICU, less likelihood of getting the hospital if you're vaccinated. Even without the booster, the booster provides further protection. But even with your two doses, you're still protected from potentially ending up in hospital. So we're optimistic the combination of our high vax rate in Ontario proper, as well as perhaps maybe a little bit less lethal, um, we might we might be okay.
0: Are we could we be at a turning point here with the uh, COVID-19 uh, doctor in the sense that for so long, it's you know, it's all about getting vaccinated. It's all about beating this. And, and then obviously, as time goes by, we realize how difficult it's going to be to vaccinate the entire world, which, you know, the longer you go without vaccination, the more mutation we have, the more variants Uh, that we have is this a turning point in the sense that it is or there are a lot of those that are already vaccinated that are getting this although getting it a lot less severe certainly keeping them out of hospital is the turning point here where we go from thinking we have to beat this as opposed to just live with it
6: yeah it's a great question at some point we're going to have to we're going to need that paradigm shift is this the moment i think we'll know in the next two to three weeks as we see how this rolls out i think we're it's too early to feel like we're at that stage where we just live with it. We're at such a tenuous point with our healthcare workers in terms of sheer numbers. And if you look back at how we managed this in previous waves, we had lots of HR support, lots of ability to flex where we needed to to support ICU, to support emerge. And we don't have that same degree right now. And so I think everyone's singularly focused on protecting our healthcare workers, protecting our hospitals. Um, and then, sort of dealing with that as it evolves over the next two to three weeks, it would be great if this is evolving into a bit more contagious but not aggressive virus, and then we need to start to adapt as to how we're going to how we're going to manage long term with it because it's not going away, and hopefully it evolves into more of the endemic approach that's not lethal just Another one of the viruses out there. and But I, hopefully, this would be a turning point as we, you know, again, some of those early numbers. But um, that would be great if we're talking two or three weeks from now about, okay, now we can start to pivot. But right now, still focused on what's going to happen in these next couple of weeks with these numbers because most of what's happening now, everyone's, we know everyone's available for a booster shot. And you have seen, I think everyone's seen the numbers of how long it takes to get your boosters right now. And so, anything that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks is already baked in, and we don't really have anything to protect us other than masking, distancing, limiting social contacts, and so we're sort of waiting to see if this is going to be leading to aggressive numbers that leads to aggressive hospitalizations. We've got a long way to go before we can talk about turning points.
0: Uh, I'm I'm probably ask probably asking a question. There is no answer to. But could it be better that if this turns out to be and I guess better than the last variants or the last waves, if it turns out that it is more transmissible, but is however less uh, less dangerous, meaning many lots most will get it, uh, but then be fine. Is is that realistic?
6: Uh, that's that's hopeful i think i agree with yeah. you i think that would be that would be a good scenario here that that it becomes more transmissible more people get it and unfortunately is messing up all of our holiday plans and things but if it's more of a nuisance and not leading to realization right. the hospital system decreased surgical times that sort of thing um and that's a, that's a win here i think i would agree with you that that i think most of us would say that we can learn to live with this because obviously i come from the healthcare field and we worry about hospitalizations and managing things, but there's a whole aspect of economy and businesses and small businesses trying to survive, and so if we can get to that point where we can live with this and it's not overwhelming the hospital system, I think that's a win for us.
0: Uh, are we at that po- at the point, or can you see the point in the future, Doctor, where we may have to start cancelling more surgeries?
6: So we, have, we at St. Joe's have cut back. Um, some of that is just our typical holiday shutdown period, but we have received notification from the government that be prepared that we may have to cut back on some services. Um and we take that so seriously because we know there's the there's the immediate effect of COVID and the and the illnesses it causes and the deaths and the morbidities. And then there's the the secondary causes, right? The delayed care, the missing cancer diagnoses, those sort of things that we stress about. And so We're temporarily having to cut back and looking very closely to where we can, when we can, do our diagnostic imaging for people waiting for CTs and MRIs, do our surgeries where we can. Uh, But for the moment, preparing that this influx may lead to a significant amount of hospitalizations where we'll need that staff to support elsewhere. And so it is a bit, we're also switching a bit to more again towards virtual care where it's safe for patients. And that's, you know, the patient and the provider together comes up with if it's safe to do a virtual assessment um, and still manage your care, then we can do that and not have you come into hospital and the risk of exposures coming in your car and walking to the hospital and around the community and that sort of thing. So we have sort of pivoted again in some of the services we provide and, and are really aware of the impact that has on individuals. And so hoping to do that for as little time as we have to. But again, we're kind of, we're kind of walking in a sea of uncertainty here for the next 10 days to two weeks until we see what the impact of these three, 4,000 cases a day have on hospitalizations.
0: We've only got a few seconds left. What message do you have for Ontarians who perhaps this time last week thought that they were off onto a normal holiday and now that's not the case? I mean, fatigue has gone through the roof. We all know that. What are your thoughts?
6: Yeah, I think I think calm and focus and and let's sort of learn from what's coming. I think there's there's people at both sides of the spectrum, those who say this is nothing and this is crazy, we should be just living our lives, and those who say we should be completely locked down. And I think... Let's give it time. Let's see how this evolves. Let's learn from what's happening in Europe. Let's learn what's happening locally and respond with some education and some science and some appropriateness. And I think if we all do that and we all sort of focus and make good choices on who we're seeing and if we're sick, stay home. If we're, you know, mask up if we're outside, get tested if you're having symptoms. I think if we're all diligent a little bit longer here, hopefully, as you said, this comes out the other end and we're at a bit of a turning point. But I I would say calm and sort of Appropriate, you know, make intelligent and smart choices that is good for you and your family and the community. And I think we hopefully can get out of this.
0: Stay calm and vaccine on. Uh, Doctor <laughs> Greg Rutledge with us, chief of emergency medicine, Saint Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton. Greg, thanks so much for the time, much appreciated. And thank you for all you and the staff are doing to keep us all safe. We greatly do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Bye. Will Erskine is on the board. Ted, uh, sorry, Ted, Ted's gone. Uh, Diana Weeks is in the newsroom, missing Ted, no doubt. And uh, watching the world spin around, Scott Radley joins us, uh, host of the Scott Radley Show, columnist for your Hamilton Spectator, and, of course, coming up after the 6 o'clock news tonight. Scott, great to
9: hear from you. Hope
0: you're doing well.
9: Doing well. Thanks, Scott. Thank you
0: how uh let's start with the poll question of the day has the omicron deepened your pandemic f- uh, fatigue right now 85 percent of you are saying uh yes well, what are your thoughts man on how this has changed in such a short period of time
9: well i mean i don't know how it can't affect your fatigue about this i think everyone sort of thought we were done and then or at least getting close to done and then whammo we're getting it all over again but I mean, to me, the question is, and we're going to talk about this on the show uh, later on, is, you know, even though we're right seemingly smack in the middle of another go around, like, do you at least feel a little hopeful that we may get out of this someday? Because, I mean, there's people now, you go on social media, who have kind of resigned themselves to the fact that we're going to now be in this forever. And, and I don't yeah. think that's the case, but boy, it, it can feel like that. It can feel like that, that. You know, every time we get close, it starts all over again and it becomes a cycle.
0: It's interesting that you say that because we we just had the uh the exact same conversation uh just moments ago with Dr. Rutledge from uh, St. Joseph's Healthcare in Hamilton and I asked him the question because you know I'm looking at numbers today and it's 3000 uh hang on where are we here uh it is 3784 new cases in Ontario of those over 2700 Of those cases are with those that are fully vaccinated, and you know, so obviously those people are, you know, perhaps getting ill or a little ill or or not at all, asymptomatic, what have you, and then moving on. And and my question to him was, have we come to a point where we've stopped figuring out how we're going to beat this? Because really, if variants keep going, because the world is not fully vaccinated, and you know, just like feeding the world, uh, vaccination, uh, to think we can do it any faster than we can feed the world is 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 a little bizarre. So, uh have we caught to the point where we finally realize that we have to live with this and as long as you're vaccinated you'll be fine.
9: Well, look, I I what we're going to talk about here, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be a doctor. I don't I don't think I'm thinking I'm pretending to be a doctor, but there does seem with this latest one and I know that we keep getting cautioned that you know don't jump to conclusions, but it yeah. does seem it does seem the numbers of people who are being really, really affected are a lot less. I mean, it really yeah. does. The numbers. So do we get to a point where, like, Scott, every year, except for last year, every year there are people who die of the flu. Yep. And there are people who are in the intensive care because of the flu. And are we getting to the point that we're, we're now going to have this around forever, but it's essentially going to be a kind of flu that, yeah, people will yeah. die. But we don't shut the entire country down because the flu virus, because influenza mm-hmm. season has started. We, we say, yeah. if you want to get your shot, get your shot. And if you don't, that's your risk. And if you're older or if you're compromised, please do. Um, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not pretending to be a scientist, but boy, it seems like we may be getting to a point or moving towards the point where we have to say, you know what? Some people, a few people, we're not being callous, but may get sick. But the vast yeah. majority of people won't, and so what are we going to do with that?
0: Yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing in these breakthrough numbers as well. I mean, you know, clearly we can't prevent it, but certainly we can control how severe it, it becomes. All right, I can't let you go without asking your thoughts on the NHL. Uh, we're back into a Canadian bubble through Christmas anyway.
9: Is this the future? Where do you see this going? Uh, you know, to the very thing we were just talking about, Steve Eiserman, the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings, asked the question, kind of gently, what are we doing? Because apparently, basically, none of the NHL players who have this, who have tested positive, are really, really sick. They're all really mild, like cold symptoms. So, I mean, I, am I surprised the NHL with all these numbers and other leagues are taking steps? No, I'm not at all. Um, but am I, do I expect, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Do we expect the league to shut down again? I'd be surprised. I, I mean, I'd be really surprised at this point, but I guess, you know, with COVID, the one thing we've learned is nothing should really surprise us. Um, the one thing these leagues do not want, more than anything, I would think, is a player, that one player to get really, really sick and die, or fans to get to come to a game and somehow mm-hmm. be able to point to that game. I don't know how you would do that, but I got it there and got really sick, and now you got lawsuits and everything else. I, I don't know, Scott. I, I what What I think will happen... I think the NHL, uh, the idea of the NHL going to the Beijing Olympics will die very soon. That was my next question. Yeah, and they may then take the window that they had set aside for the Beijing Olympics and keep the NHL shut down until like the new year just to say, hey, look, everyone go home, and then those will move the games into that time when we were going to be off, and we don't really have to then cut or delay the season. I could easily see that happening.
0: All right, Scott Radley with us, host of the Scott Radley Show, coming right up after the 6 o'clock news and columnist with your Hamilton spectator. Scott, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Have a great show.
9: Thanks, Scott. You too.
0: Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900CHML and online at 900CHML.com. Thanks to Will and Diana for participating, and thank you for listening. As always, with Hamilton Today, we leave it to you to
4: have the last word keep calm and vaccine
1: on